This Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, TCG enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. In this episode of the podcast, when the Trusted Computing Group first hit the scene 20 years ago, the idea was to provide a so-called route of trust from which security operations might be launched and a secure enclave from which devices could recover should all else fail. But attacks these days aren't as simple as removing malware from a Windows system and getting it back up and running. Destructive malware like Shamoon, NotPetya, and WannaCry have shown that disruption and even physical destruction of devices might be the result of a malware infection or a hack. At the same time, so-called advanced persistent threat actors have made the practice of stealthy, long-lived compromises that are designed to harvest information or extend their control over compromised environments. And as the Internet of Things permeates both commercial and private networks, the cyber-physical consequences of compromises mount. That's why the Trusted Computing Group is expanding its work on what it calls cyber-resilient technologies that can help restore connected devices to a working state in the event of a cyber attack or other disruption. In this Spotlight podcast, we invited Rob Spiger of Microsoft into the studio to talk about this concept of cyber resilience. Rob is a 17-year veteran of Microsoft and the co-chair of the Trusted Computing Group's Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup. In this conversation, Rob and I talk about how the importance of cyber resilience has only grown in recent years and how Trusted Computing Group is adapting to address the unique challenges of the Internet of Things, including the need to manage physically remote devices and to secure devices deployed at massive scale. I'm Rob Spiger. I'm a principal security strategist at Microsoft, and I'm co-chair of the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup in TCG. I've been at Microsoft about 17 years, and uh, during my time in Windows Security, which started around 2007 through 2012, I worked on hardware-based security for them. And uh, I did a lot of work on the Trusted Platform module that the Trusted Computing Group has as one of their foundational specifications. Primarily the transition from TPM 1.2 to TPM 2.0, which has cryptographic agility. So it's useful in more regions in the world than just TPM 1.2 was. Talk about cyber resilient technologies. What is this concept and what what is the work group that you're co-chair of uh, up to? The, the concept is that devices or solutions or parts of devices could become compromised and you need to reestablish them to a trusted state and be able to resume normal operations or, or potentially even limited operations if the right mitigations aren't available immediately. And uh, there's different ways that that might be done. It could be done with the device that's managed remotely. It could be done interactively uh, with someone physically present at the device. But the basic concept is you want to have better protection for devices. You want to be able to detect if some sort of compromise or attack has occurred and you want to be able to recover successfully from that compromise or attack to a state that you can establish trust in and continue using that device and its functionality. You don't want a scenario where after an attack or compromise happens, you're going to have to throw away the device 
because you're never sure if you'll trust it again or not. I mean, it seems to me like resilience has always been kind of part part and parcel, I guess, of, of what Trusted Computing Group and, and TPM were about, certainly in the sort of clean boot and clean recovery concept, right, that, that you want to be able to get back to a stable state from which to recover. When we're talking about cyber resilience now, is it is it bigger than just that notion of having a clean reboot, clean re- state to, to recover from? For the work that's going on in the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup, it, it is more than just doing a reboot and getting a clean state. It's sort of an expectation that some sort of maybe more persistent compromise has happened and a reboot won't actually recover from that. You may need to go do some servicing instructions to go get a software update to be able to install that and be able to weather an attack. Or, you know, maybe a compromise has occurred on a lot of devices in a very consistent way. And the manufacturer has been able to investigate that attack, identify how to uh, figure out which devices might have been compromised, and provide a set of instructions for recovery actions that will remove that compromise and restore it to a working state. Let's talk a little bit about what, what some of those attack or threat scenarios might be. Let's let's FUD it up a little bit here, Rob, and, uh, <laughs> and talk about some of the things that um, device makers might want to be concerned about or thinking about. Sure. I mean, I think you know, despite manufacturers' best intentions to make software that's as secure as possible or solutions that are secure as possible, if you think about deploying a device that's going to have a life cycle of, you know, seven to 10 years, there will be new techniques for attacks that aren't even, you know, in people's imagination today. And those can be used to attack devices that were made today a couple of years from now as these new attacks get discovered and exploited. Also, you know, companies are using open source software, for example, and, you know, there's a lot of eyes on open source software and vulnerabilities are found and patches are uploaded and yeah. uh, those need to be propagated to devices. And there's sort of this race condition between patching devices and attackers identifying exploits in implementations that are out in the field and being able to use them before those patches are deployed. Sure. And that's assuming that that the downstream Consumers of those open source libraries and so on are, are actually staying on top of them and, and continuing to, to update them in their own applications, which, of course, as we know, they, they don't necessarily do. Correct. I, I think resilience really has an underlying expectation that the manufacturer is intent on supporting a solution over a period of time. If the manufacturer or no one's involved in servicing something over time, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to you know try to explain that it's resilient. So we had your colleague, uh, Trusted Computer Group colleague, Steve Hanna, uh, on our podcast uh, uh, not too long ago. And we were talking about Internet of Things. And one of the things that I noted, and, and he kind of confirmed, obviously, is that as we move in from this Internet of desktops, laptops, and servers to Internet of Things, the concept of resilience really becomes a lot more complicated. And groups like Trusted Computing Group now has to really consider how your technology might be used in a wide range of scenarios, a wide range of different devices. And how do you kind of manage that as part of the the work that you do, understanding that some of these devices are are going to be high value mission or life critical devices and others might be kind of low end consumer devices? Is it doesn't matter? It's irrelevant to the work that you're doing? Or is there a way to um, adjust the level of risk and resilience out there depending on what the the, uh, end device is? 
That's a really good question. I mean, I think there's there's probably two things I'd, I'd want to comment about that. And, and the first one is that, you know, for Internet of Things, I think we're really looking at the aspect that it needs to be re- remotely manageable. It might be deployed somewhere somebody can't get to easily. Uh, it could also be that there are just so many of those devices deployed, especially with people's expectations and the promise of IoT, that there will be so many devices out there, you, you can't say someone needs to go physically visit each one to, to do actions on it. Um, the other piece is, you know, there are a wide variety of devices. What we're trying to do in the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup is focus on abstract aspects of those devices that will enable them to be better protected, have detection, and do recovery. We aren't tailoring it to a specific application area. What we want to do in this technologies workgroup is define the fundamental technologies and then go ahead and let those be adapted to different application areas with application-specific requirements. So it's very likely medical is going to have a lot higher requirements than a a video camera, for example. And so, you know, it it, it makes sense to focus on the foundational technologies in the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup. And then if TCG has that different type of platform-specific workgroup, like industrial controllers is one of the subgroups under embedded systems, they could make specific requirements for industrial controllers. Uh, or, or if these technologies want to be applied to PCs or servers, you know, TCG has different platform-specific workgroups for those areas as well. What types of companies should be thinking about or maybe even approaching Trusted Computing Group um, about its technology? What kind of companies are you guys working with these days? I think we work a lot with the hardware manufacturers uh, that are going to make different hardware platforms that other developers are going to build software applications on top of. And I think, you know, it's going to be easiest for hardware manufacturers that make fairly generic, like IoT devices, uh, to participate with us. But I think also manufacturers that make specific applications can gain a lot of benefit from understanding the work we're doing at the technology level and thinking about how they can be early adopters of those types of resilient techniques in their product application areas. You're listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast, sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, TCG enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. Some of the things that, that you guys are working on now are, are roots of trust for storage and measurement and reporting. Could you talk just a little bit about these? And, and I know those aren't necessarily new, new concepts for Trusted Computing Group, um, but just talk about how they fit into this overall kind of project of cyber resilience. Sure. I, I think the, the roots of trust for measurement and attestation are really helpful in the context of uh, resiliency because it can help evaluate a platform after it's booted, especially after it's gotten the ability to go online and interact with a trusted third party that's able to verify it. Yeah. It's hard to ask yourself if you're crazy, uh, but it's easier <laughs> to ask someone else if you're crazy because then they could say, you know, you're, you're yes. definitely not doing yes. what I expected you, you to do. Uh, you're not acting <laughs> normally. And, uh, right. if, if you've been, you know, attacked and you've got some sort of compromise, 
uh, as a device, then you, you may not be able to figure that out very easily. Then the other thing is the, the root of trust for storage is really, it helps with the resilience in terms of how much reprovisioning you need to do. If the identity of your device is something that's able to be protected, both when it's stored and when it's in use, then, you know, if you do have a device that's compromised, you, you can still authenticate with the same identity after uh, recovery activity has happened mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, that, that identity hasn't been able to be copied somewhere else by malware. If you don't have a way to protect your identity credentials for a device when it's at rest or when it's in use, then those being copied somewhere else can mean that you have to go back to the whole reprovisioning process to establish the identity for that device. And really the initial identity establishment for a device is an expensive process in terms of a, a manufacturing or provisioning process. You've got to establish some you know, reason that you trust the device's identity. And often that's helped by the manufacturer signing something like, you know, trusted platform modules have this concept of an endorsement key certificate that says, you know, this key resides in this CPM that I, such and such manufacturer made, and I'll attest to that. And if you see a device having access to the private part of this key, you can really believe it's a TPM that I manufactured. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times for IoT, you'd want the same thing. You know, devices, this type of device that has this identity, and the manufacturer is able to provide some assurance about that. And so, when you see it out there on your network, you can really identify what it is in a trusted way. Let's take a like an example, fairly recent history, which was the um, the NotPetya outbreak that involved a uh, malicious software update. You know, we could imagine a similar type of attack involving not in this case finance software, but maybe firmware for a device, right? Uh, that that was being pushed out you know, from a manufacturer. In a situation like that, how would um, how would this sort of um, route uh, of trust work and, um, and help prevent that type of software supply chain-based attack? I think it'd be hard to say that it would prevent it, but what the intent of some of the technologies under development in the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup for TCG has the goal of doing is to be able to recover from it. So, you know, if bad software updates were somehow uh, deployed to a bunch of devices, what we'd like to be able to do is, you know, even though malware may be in control of that device because an update happened that changed the firmware on it, we want to have technologies that push the control of the device into a recovery process under some regimented time frame or series of actions or activities or events and then allow recovery steps to happen uh, where it's a more trusted environment and it is able to do activities and apply policy that either the owner of the device that's managing it has installed or if it's a consumer product comes from the manufacturer uh, with the right permissions from the owner uh, to be able to go through a series of recovery steps. And even though a, a bad software update got installed, there's still this root uh, recovery element that can go and recover those devices. Uh, maybe in conjunction with, you know, a cloud management server for IoT devices or in conjunction with a, an IT department's policies in an enterprise environment. The, uh, the group Cyber Independent Test Lab recently uh, released a, a survey, a longitudinal study of firmware going back 
uh, I think about 15 years. Um, so thousands of firmware examples from many different vendors, uh, but kind of your usual suspects in terms of devices, uh, home routers and, and stuff like that. And they found that during that period that they surveyed, there was basically no improvement in the security of the underlying firmware, that when you look at the sort of security protections built into it and and the presence of, you know, exploitable vulnerabilities and a whole bunch of other measurements, uh, there was just no improvement. And in some cases, the, the security of the firmware actually got worse over the, over the period they surveyed. Um, so the question, kind of a long-winded question, but I mean, how do you, how do we collectively, and I guess TCG in itself, get manufacturers of devices and uh, who are often also the the authors of the firmware itself to prioritize security and kind of build it in which presumably may mean a somewhat you know a slight increase in the, in the per unit cost of, of whatever it is that they're making so how do you how do we push that downstream into the I guess into the river of the IOT where there are just so many different device makers and component makers and firmware authors out there that's a great question. I mean, I think there's been a lot of interest in supply chain and understanding, you know, what all the firmware is that's on devices. Um, you know, I, I think what the Cyber Design Technologies Work Group can offer towards that is we kind of like to divide the firmware that's on devices or on subcomponents of devices as well uh, into something that's able to help establish a recovery process versus all the rest of the firmware. Mm -hmm. If you can get a small core set of firmware that's able to provide, you know, a basis for recovery, detection, and protection, mm -hmm. and get that right, then hopefully you've got a, a safe place to stand to really be able to address all those other problems that might exist in a larger body of software that's on a device. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things the industry could do uh, that would improve security. I think, you know, uh, many companies that participate in TCG have kind of made a statement by joining that they care about security and they're yeah. doing a lot of uh, collaborative efforts and their own efforts to make solutions that are better. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's true for everyone. I would love it to be true, especially for, for IoT. And, you know, certainly all the TCG members are going to encourage better security in general. It, it could be that defining some standards around what resilience means and helping people be able to achieve that level and those functionalities and basics that that are able to make devices more recoverable could be a good place to start. So you're an employee at Microsoft. You've been there for 17 years. Microsoft obviously was hugely influential in kind of promulgating the Trusted Computing Group and the, and the TPM technology back in the sort of PC era, and what is Microsoft doing on these um, next generation technologies, and is, is the company uh, promoting them uh, in, a, in a similar fashion? If so, how? Yeah, I think we've been doing this work with Microsoft Research, and, you know, several years ago, uh, we published a Cyber Resilient Platforms program, and kind of the intent on that was to focus on how to uh, make solutions that met the requirements in NIST 800-193 more prevalent. Uh, but it's also focused on how do you adapt technologies like a trusted platform module, which makes sense for a PC, to application areas like IoT, where you have really extreme constraints on resources and it's hard to have a separate isolated environment. Um, you know, sometimes adding a, a TPM to a platform is 
as expensive as the platform if it's going to be a discrete chip. And so, you know, there have been other things that TCG has done uh, based on some early work from Microsoft to have a different way to do identity and attestation for devices uh, based on a device identifier composition engine is, is what it was standardized in the Trusted Committee Group as. That, that really came from an earlier Microsoft effort called the Resilient Internet of Things work uh, where we wanted to figure out the right hardware fundamentals for IoT devices that could meet some of the unique constraints for IoT security that, that the market's seen. Are companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon that are major cloud providers in a position to you know, have leverage with the device maker, device manufacturer population, given that so many of connected devices basically rely on these, these cloud infrastructures for, for management and, and, and a wide range of other things. Are those companies in a position to help to encourage the use of this technology or to kind of set a bar and say, uh, you know, if you want to use our cloud, you, you need to have these components as part of your, your uh, end device? I think what companies can do is provide guidance about how IT, IoT devices should do security to, to connect to a cloud. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's the customer's ability to use a cloud that, that exists. It's their choice that they want to do that with devices that are more secure and more trustable or less secure and less trustworthy. You know, they run the risk of having less trustworthy data that comes into the cloud. Uh, but, you know, that, that's still an opportunity for the cloud adopter and, and the builder of IoT devices to, to make the choice for themselves. Well, what I think a lot of those cloud manufacturers want to do, though, is make it easier for adopters of cloud to make IoT devices that are secure. And it's really a combination of things going on in the industry. There's a push towards security. There's a push towards being first to market. There's a lot of really innovative IoT hardware platforms being manufactured today. And I think the first focus was on just how do we make IoT platforms, period, that can meet these types of power constraints and resource constraints with the technology that's available. I think as, as time has gone by, though, for IoT, new techniques have emerged for doing security and there should be kind of a, a message from those larger companies that it's important to think about the security of IoT devices. It's important to try to work with IoT device hardware manufacturers and tool chain manufacturers to say, here's how you can put security in this solution and not have to have it replace your whole set of functionality. Uh, so as those devices and, and reference architectures get out there and become more prevalent, we should hopefully see an uptick in the security for IoT devices. I think, you know, for, from Microsoft's perspective, we have a solution we're working on where, you know, Microsoft will manage all of the security pieces of an IoT solution and the, the other partner would function, focus on their functionality. But we've also got a lot of work going on and just the open ecosystem of, uh, you know, sharing reference code from uh, the device identifier composition engine implementation. Uh, so tool chain manufacturers can add that to their IoT devices uh, to also trying to provide reference code for things like cyber resilient solutions for IoT. Okay, so if we've got listeners who are you know, working at companies making connected devices or uh, maybe taking physical devices and connecting them to the internet or interested in this, uh, what what can they do to uh, learn more and uh, 
maybe start to get familiar with some of this uh, work that T Trusted Computing Group is doing around cyber resilience? Uh, they could certainly look at the standard TCG has published for like the device identifier composition engine. Um, if you don't want to, I mean, really the best way is join TCG and help us develop these technologies and, and make sure they fit for your scenarios and your use cases and your requirements. Uh, but also, you know, if, if going and joining TCG is too much of a, a first step, you could look at publications like TCG's device identifier composition engine or some of the IoT guidance that the embedded systems work group from TCG has published and make comments on those. Man, many of the TCG specifications have a public review period, so that's an opportunity for external stakeholders to make comments. Uh, you could also look for open source code associated with TCG technology. Um, you know, Microsoft has published some stuff that we've called, I think it's, it's Riot, a robust Internet of Things, a resilient Internet of Things uh, source code that's available. Things like, you know, the TPM are available as open source uh, in certain GitHub repositories. So, you know, the, there are ways to play with TCG technologies without being inside TCG. But, but really the best way to influence things would be to join the organization. I think it's a truism of the Internet of Things that, that or it's just characteristic of the Internet of Things that, you know, these hardware and software supply chains uh, that, that produce these amazing devices, whether they're, you know, smartphones or whatever else, um, are, are just hugely long and complex and, and involve both hardware and software and components from, you know, thousands of different, vendors depending on the device right and and all of that unfortunately you know security you you end up in a sort of weakest weakest link problem right i mean any one of those components uh, if it's a trusted component uh, could be a source of compromise yeah that's true and the question is you know are you going to have to throw away the whole device when one of those compromises happens or or can you go back and recover from that and keep using it in a way you, you really feel comfortable in i think the challenge today though is it's really gotten a little more complicated than just reinstalling the software like you used to just go reinstall the os but attacks today are a lot more sophisticated and firmware attacks are going to stay embedded in a device unless some special care is taken by the manufacturer to help provide capabilities to recover that firmware and reestablish trust in it. It used to be that the firmware was just the foundation of trust and, you know, it, you could always assume it was fine, but, you know, nowadays it's really important to be able to do uh, attestation and be able to evaluate that firmware somewhere and, and make sure it really was the firmware that booted that the manufacturer intended. Rob Spiger, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. It's been a pleasure. It was my pleasure, too. Rob Spiger is a principal security strategist at Microsoft and co-chair of the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup at Trusted Computing Group. You've been listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger Podcast sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven workgroups, TCG enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include TCG technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org.